Ladies and gentlemen, friend of the show, Alex Press is here, writes for Jogaban, has had bylines in the New York Times and every other outlet in the goddamn country. One of the most prominent labor reporters in the nation. Here she is. Fresh from the picket line. Fresh in the picket line. So I was at the Netflix picket line, which is, you know, about a minute ride from here. Um, you know, kind it of dox me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heart of Hollywood, basically. Um, yeah. And it was packed. I mean, I showed up just after it started around just before 10. Um, and, you know, there were, you see when you get to one of these picket lines, you know, you see sort of roving little bands of strikers who are covering other gates that are in the area. Um, and then you get towards the center of where the check-in is. And there was just like, you know, incredible music and so much energy and actors were very excited. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because everyone was saying to me, you know, I was doing interviews with both writers and actors and everyone was like, you know, People, the studios, the producers did not count on how much solidarity we would have with each other. You know, if if the writers are flagging, now they have new life in them because of the actors. And the actors, meanwhile, haven't been on strike in a very long time. Pretty much any actor on the picket line has never been on strike. And so they are walking beside writers. They are learning what it looks like. The basic nuts and bolts. Where do you use a bathroom? You know, how... Who do I check in with? Like, who gives me a sign? What should I say if a reporter talks to me? And so this this energy is incredibly sort of palpable and actually visible on the picket line. And it, they're right that the studios did not expect this, right? They always expect the writers to strike. The writers, yeah. the writers Guild has struck. Those fucking commies. Yeah, exactly. They're like the wobblies at this point. Anyway, so the energy was very good. People feel very happy to be on strike because, you know, the one thing I asked everybody is, why is this worth it? You know, because it's a huge amount of sacrifice that the writers have been making that the actors are about to make and of course all of the other people who work on shows and movies as well as the entire you know surrounding economy everyone in this town is reliant on this industry but people had very quick answers they said you know we haven't been able to make it work financially for many years so this is not a question of how are we going to get through this strike it's like we've been saying this for a long time and finally we are standing up and doing what we can which is actually show the studios how much we're worth yeah it, it looks pretty big i saw the i saw the photo i mean this is like an even larger crowd outside of the netflix studio than the one that we attended and saw when we visited the uh writers guild picket uh, a couple weeks prior it seems great it, it seems like uh they're i mean for those of you who are watching who are unfamiliar if you didn't watch that coverage uh you can check it out on my second channel as well where we go into like the reasons uh as to why people pick it and also on top of that how you are supposed to attend a picket line you know where you sign up all that sort of stuff um but were there i mean i just i've covered it so much at yeah. this point that like i don't know what else what other what other angles to cover like i mean it seems like it's overwhelmingly positive the reception even trade publications that are normally awful are uh are, are covered the kids are chanting strike from the school buses. They passed the Fox Studios in Hollywood today. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, it was you could barely hear over the horns honking. Like, it seems like everyone in this town understands, you know, that there's a, that this needs to happen. Also, one thing that I think people should understand, and you've probably talked about this, is, like, people here actors are striking and they think like Tom Cruise. They think celebrities, people yeah. that are that you would want an autograph from or something. Most of these working actors are working second jobs. These are people who are photographers and waiters and they are copywriters and they have normal person jobs because this industry for a long time has not been sustainable for working actors. And so the average actor in SAG is not 
is not a, you know, the 1% of the membership, but they sort of do all of the work that enable that kind of stardom, right? And so these are regular working class people and they talk like regular working class people. They talk to me about how they couldn't afford to fix their car right now, how their rent, you know, what their rent is in East Hollywood. You know, these are not people who own mansions, right? And so I think that is important to understand that this is the vast membership of, you know, 160,000 people these are workers like any other, right? And I think that was like, that's really important to stress. Um, you know, I'm sure people want to hear about like what celebrities were there. And I didn't see anybody that was rec recognizable, which was sort of the point, right? Though that said, I was, you know, I met up with Adam, Adam Conover um, from the Writers Guild. Um, and so we spent a long time on the picket line. And, you know, it was incredible to see, you know, he's a recognizable guy for his work, but also now just as a union leader. And it was cool to see that in action, you know, especially with actors from SAG coming up to him and sort of them comparing notes and sort of chatting about what to expect. That was great. Yeah. There are uh, some questions in the chat about what's going on. Have there been any updates from the sag after side of the conversation in terms of negotiations, like what the demands were? And because like right now we have kind of an overview and maybe even an assumption of what the demands uh, were like uh, stopping uh, the the insane practice of utilizing artificial intelligence to like take a snapshot of a background actor and then utilizing their likeness in perpetuity for one day's pay mm -hmm. uh, things of that nature certainly have been discussed but do we have a better understanding of what the uh, the demands are yeah, so they want to regulate that technology, right? Whereas the AMPTP wants to do exactly what you said. You know, they offered background actors in one of their proposals. You know, they will get a full day's rate pay to be recorded. And then they will have their likeness used forever without any, you know, residual payments, things like that. Really sort of egregious. Like imagine you lose control of your own voice and your own body. You know, I think people palpably understand how terrifying that is. Um, and it also puts an entire set of workers out of work permanently. Yeah. Um, residuals are another very complicated big thing. Writers also have this issue that streaming platforms don't provide them anywhere near as much money in residuals as sort of linear or cable used to. Um, and so that's, you know, you wrote for, you, say you appeared on It's Always Sunny. I, I was talking to an actor today who was, uh, she's appeared on just about everything you've heard of, right? And she appears, if it's a regular broadcast, you know, every time when it reruns, she gets a payment and residuals. When it's syndicated, she gets a payment, you know, and on and on forever, basically, right? When it comes to wor working, whether you're writing or acting and streaming shows, your payment for that residual is very small. <laughs> It's not based on, you know, you have a hit show, so it's bigger, right? The formulation is just like, it's like pennies compared to what cable was. And so the actors also have a proposal around this. They have proposed something the writers didn't, which is, you know, I got to dig in the details after we get off this stream to make sure I have it right. But like, you know, they want a cut of the subscription revenue that is being made by these streamers. And that would it's be an entirely new form of residual. Yeah, and I think it's super valid to ask for that. It's ironic because like, a space that is not even unionized has uh, and and is probably even less likely to be unionized is the space that I'm in. Streamers, mm -hmm. yes. not in the Hollywood understanding of streamers, but like Twitch streamers and YouTube streamers or even content creators online. YouTube technically gives us, and I believe Twitch technically gives us a, a cut of the overarching uh, YouTube premium revenue. Mm -hmm. uh, like the amount of ads that are displaced uh, by YouTube premium. YouTube premium is a $15 subscription to YouTube that allows people to no longer see ads. 
Same with Twitch uh, subscriptions. Uh, there's a concept called Twitch Turbo. It's similar to that. Mm-hmm. It stops you from seeing ads. And all of the ads that your your viewers who are Turbo subscribers don't see on your page technically give you a tiny, really small, but still some uh, some percentage of revenue because they, you served an ad uh, in front of them. They didn't see the ad because they bought Turbo. So it like literally gives you a piece of that, which is interesting because the online space is not necessarily known for its, uh, you know, serious labor protections, but right. it is actually an absolute necessity in the internet sphere. Right. So much so that YouTube and Twitch, owned by Amazon and Google, mega corporations, have recognized it as a necessity. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there, it's a necessity because you are creating uh, the value, right? And yeah. so... It is for them, they'd much rather, you know, sort of take the pay cut of whatever the percent they're giving you compared to having to hand over, you know, anything else that, you know, you guys, if you left the platform, right, they would lose a whole lot more money than they're giving to you. And so it's not outlandish to say that, hey, streaming is a different model for these studios. And we all have been going through this transformation and it's completely changed the the model of the industry. And thus we have been creating this new product, this new value. And you're now going to see how much you're losing with this strike. And we should get, you know, they're not asking for a lot of it. I mean, it's very reasonable. It's 2% um, of is pretty much the equivalent of how much they're asking for 2% of sort of how much they're making off of these streaming platforms. But that is a new form of residual. And it's it really, it was clear when it came out that they were proposing that at the table that this was going to take a strike to win. Um, because the studios, obviously everyone knows, producers, penny pinching, they're not going to give them any money unless they're forced to. Yeah. Um, so, and then there's also, you know, they want raises because of inflation. They feel like they've, they're have they making less than ever on the scale day rates. Um, they want, you know, they have a health and pension fund hole to fill um, as far as like contributions for the health insurance plan and pensions. Um, so the more nuts and bolts stuff, that's that's pretty familiar to everyone. And then, yeah, AI and residuals, I think, are really the big issues that are similar with the writers, but they're sort of a more immediate threat, especially AI for the actors. Yeah, and it's also the more, like, I guess... Um interesting part of the conversation from the perspective of like the audience outside looking in right ai displacing regular parts of the industry is an inevitability at this point it's already started happening in every field and every sector and it will continue to happen and it's not technological improvements that are the problem here i am not a luddite even though ironically luddites historically were anti-tech for labor reasons right i love technology but the issue is how power is distributed in the workforce Mm -hmm. when you have new technological improvements under a capitalist organization of the economy and a capitalist corporation, the bosses utilize that new tech to displace workers and make the remaining smaller workforce do the work of like seven people, eight people, nine people instead. And that is how AI is also being utilized in this circumstance. That's part of the reason why Hollywood has moved away from practical effects to CGI because VFX is also historically non-unionized and VFX can be done all around the world. So you can get much cheaper rates instead of having an entire, you know, makeup team, instead of having uh, an entire like lighting team, you can fix all of that in VFX. Yeah, I mean, the thing I would say about, like, the question of technology is that this is not new for Hollywood, right, for the industry. You know, when VHS was, you know, sort of coming around, being invented, there was, you know, the home televisions. This also was a strike issue for these unions. And they actually, in the 1960 strike is when they won the original residuals for cable, right? 
you know, they were like, hey, we know that this is going to end up being a huge source of profit for you. We deserve some sort of payment as you're reusing our materials. And then when the writer struck in 2007, it was the same thing. This was how they won jurisdiction over any of the streaming platforms, period. Yeah. The AMPTP, before that strike started, said, oh, the internet, like, we don't really know how that's going to shake out. Let's just, like, set a meeting to talk yeah. about it. And the writers, smartly, because they're not new to this, they were like, no, we need it in writing now that this is going to be union work and that we're, it's going to contribute to, you know, our scale Absolutely. and our pension funds. And so they are fighting for the future, and they've been proven right again and again. And so they are very right to say, hey, we know this technology is going to be incorporated. Let's talk about how to do it in a way that makes us able to make a living as you make an Im immense amount of profit. And so I think that is sort of the cycle to understand about Hollywood's like incorporation of technology. Yeah. And given how short-term interest driven, short-term profit driven companies are and how short-term profit driven or short-sighted the broader American audience is, the broader American public is, people don't understand that like these strikes are a necessity. Weirdly enough, they don't recognize the, the the successes from the early strikes like 2008 that yielded necessary returns for those workers in terms of like the value that they're generating. But people don't see that. They're like, whoa, why are you striking about this now? Meanwhile, it's already happening. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's, it's certainly going to get worse in the future as we move further and further towards like a streamer only economy. But it's already a problem. Mm -hmm. Problem right now. And I mean, this is the question of like, it, it is a real question about whether streaming, the streaming only model is sustainable financially for anyone, but it is not the workers whose fault it is for any bad investments that these companies made or yeah. any pressure they're getting from their shareholders. And the, you know, revenue is bigger, is up way beyond what it's been. You know, there've been a huge number of shows. It is very clear that the money is there. These are not unreasonable demands. Oh yeah. The part of the holdout on the studios part is they don't want to set a precedent that they will cave on certain things. And so that is kind of the crux of it. But the idea that there's no money, I mean, I mean, it might sound trite to say like these CEOs are paid 50 million, $100 million, but that's, that's true. I mean, there is money to be had. Um, and so I think that is kind of important. Also, I'm sure people want to hear about like, you know, one thing you'll hear in the news is like, this is going to hurt the whole economy. You know, all of these other types of workers rely on the studios running productions, you know, whether it's a food service you know, or it's, you know, a restaurant or it's, you know, the hair and costume designers. But I think it's really important to understand that of those workers who are union, they have been out there supporting these people because they understand that it's the same fight. You know, IATSE and the Teamsters yeah. in Hollywood have their negotiations next year, and they know that they need a win here from these other workers to strengthen their own position going forward. And likewise, you know, everybody wants the, these workers to make enough to spend in the economy, right? I mean, so there has been, I mean, on the picket line today, it was very clear. There was just, you know, across the city support. And of course the actors and the writers have, they went out and visited the striking hotel workers at Unite Here or in the LA area who went out on strike on July 4th weekend, you know, and they're walking beside them on picket lines and they're saying, I don't understand your struggle, but I want to let's talk. How can I be there for you? And vice versa. So this idea that like some people deserve more and others are whiners. No one who's on the ground here thinks that, right? I think it's really important to understand that the labor movement is a movement. And so a win one place helps helps others and that's the way to sort of think about these things yeah absolutely um also here's a fun little quip about hollywood accounting the idea that streamers like netflix paramount plus hbo max and the like are not actually profitable is a silly one for the most part these are profoundly profitable institutions 
Any kind of lack of profit from said institutions is simply an accounting trick in order to, one, pay their workers less, which has been something that is a, a practice in Hollywood so much that it's actually, uh, it has its own term, Hollywood accounting, where you write it off as a loss across the board in a creative sector so that other products that you have under your uh, larger conglomerate can look better across the board. You can only do this with a tremendous amount of horizontal and vertical integration and expansion and uh, through corporate consolidation. But that's why you get headlines like Variety, The Hollywood Reporter Deadline, new movie disappoints at box office, also does great, cost $500 million, but only made $200 million in three days, made $499 million worldwide, will never turn a profit because it also costs $1 trillion to market, breaks box office records while sold out theaters remain empty. <laughs> like, that's the reason why you hear so much of this right. from it's, both ends. It's so confusing. And it is accounting tricks, right? And that has gotten easier than ever now that these streamers are, you know, these, these studios are vertically integrated, right? And so they are distributing via their streaming platform things they made themselves and licensing deals and all sorts of things for like themselves. this. Yes, exactly. Anytime, make it so hard for yeah. any of us to understand. But that is just, the mo there is money. It's just moving around a lot in ways that are very hard to understand. Exactly. It's like when you have Fox selling a fucking product to Hulu, it's selling it to itself. In certain circumstances, the same executive is signing both sides of that contract. Literally, that same person's signature is on either side of the contract. That's why I have used the example of Twitch with respect to Hollywood accounting. Twitch is owned by Amazon. Amazon has AWS, their web service, their hosting service, right? Technically, if they wanted to, even though they consistently complain that Twitch is not profitable, it's not turning profit, the only reason why Twitch is not profitable is because Amazon chooses to maintain Twitch's lack of profitability so they can dump a bunch of losses in there and, you know, get tax benefits from that. On top of uh, consistently play their, uh, pay their employees less and also even uh, engage in layoffs when they choose to do so because they can always go, oh, it's just not profitable. Twitch's non-profitable uh, uh, situation, Twitch's profitability is simply a matter of moving some numbers around in an Excel spreadsheet. That's it. Any other questions yeah. for me? Yeah, I got some. Uh, I, I, I took uh, some questions from the chat. Are okay. there still ongoing meetings or are they just literally waiting for the guild to lose steam and break? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, you know, how this works now that the actors are on strike, which is, you know, shocked everyone on the studio side. They really didn't expect that. I, I, this is speculation. It's not like I have like secret sources that are witnessing these conversations. Generally, what happens is it, they'll wait a week. The studios will wait a week and they'll see how much damage is being done. And they'll wait, you know, see how, the, which way the wind's blowing. Is the public supporting the actors? You know, are the actors coming out to these picket lines in mass? You know, what is the vibe basically of this strike? And then they will, it's possible that there would be, they would reach out to, the, to SAG first. It's unlikely, you know, they're going to go sit down with the writers before they sit down with the actors again. But they're going to start these conversations, right? And, but it's really hard to say, you know, there's nothing on the calendar right now for new bargaining sessions for either SAG or the WGA. Um, and so this is really the best that the workers can do is just show that they're serious and that they are ready and they know what they just signed up for and they're going to be out there every day. Um, and, you know, they're willing to sit down, you know, as soon as they get a call, right? It is not yeah. the workers who want a strike. It is the studios that are stonewalling. And so they, as far as I know, you know, there has been no conversation right now about getting back to the bargaining table. Um, and so, yes, the workers are just waiting 
And is the stu- are the studios hoping this, the guild will lose steam and break? I mean, if they've been paying attention to how the writers are doing, that's not going to happen, right? I've never, it's like day, you know, they're in month three of this strike and they are still incredibly unified. There's no conversation about like, maybe we should take a deal. We should sit back down. Um, and so I don't think that's going to happen. I think they want to break the unions and I think they've misjudged whether this is the moment to do it. Yeah. Um, what's your take on the lose their house comment since that's sort of the inherent goal of the bosses in any labor action? I mean, me personally, I have, I guess, in all my years of, of uh, engaging in uh, labor action coverage have never seen executives so publicly and openly flaunt uh their genuine interest yeah in what they want to get out of the strike on the on the capital owner side yeah i mean i was talking to people on the picket line today about that and you know i think adam conover said to me something like you know that story came out the same day as it came out that the studios, the AMPTP wanted to bring in a federal mediator. And it was just, and there was another story that day <laughs> along these lines of, to him, it read as panic, right? That, and, and think the thing he pointed out to me, that is why I bring it up is he was like, this is the 2007, 2008 strategy where they would just put their comments, whisper them to the press, to the trades um, in Hollywood, like deadline and variety and the Hollywood reporter, those would get reprinted. It would be a scare campaign, not tied to anyone's name. Yeah. But that doesn't, work now right they thought this would just run in deadline and that's that no now the whole world sees it everyone reacts it only drives further outrage the members immediately read about it um and so i think they again that was a panic and it was again a losing pr strategy and a losing again a misjudgment of the moment we're in yes this video like the the lose their house they should lose their houses like we'll wait it out until they lose their houses is coming from a position of comfort okay and you wouldn't openly state your animosity because a big part of like class solidarity for capital owners revolves around never really revealing their position like oh we just simply can't do it like the Zaslaw conversation is, or not the Zaslaw, was it Sarandos, the one that went on CNBC and was like, they're just really hurting the economy by not by by not working. That is usually, oh, is it Bob Iger? Yeah, Bob Iger's yeah. Uh, statements on that is the norm. The idea of like trying to divide pit worker against other yeah. workers and say like, well, you don't care about the janitors. Like you're hurting all of the other tertiary aspects of this industry. Like it's really fucked up. You're doing this is what you normally hear. You rarely ever hear someone go, no, we want you to fucking lose your house like until you're starving and desperate. The only reason why I believe that this came out to this degree is because they feel very comfortable about the power that they do have. That they've captured the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court has always been historically anti-labor, but even more so in recent years with the uh, with the supermajority, especially. And therefore, I think that uh, executives have a level of comfort where they could just like openly state their bloodthirsty desires in this uh, in this regard. But here was a reaction from a cherished and very famous and relatively wealthy actor, Ron Perlman, which is like a normal way to respond to this. You know what I mean? When you're when you openly admit the antagonism that you feel towards your workers as a boss that is like super well paid this is going to be the understandable response but i will say one thing before i get off this the motherfucker who said we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their houses and their apartments listen to me motherfucker there's a lot of ways to lose your house some of it is financial some of it is karma and some of it is just figuring out who the fuck said that and we know who said that 
and where he fucking lives. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people. You wish that families starve while you're making 27 fucking million dollars a year for creating nothing. Be careful, motherfucker. Be really careful. The 27 million dollars a year for making nothing part is actually really great too because like this this is like i don't think ron perlman is a fucking socialist or a marxist by any means but that is the correct analysis in that situation even even though he's a liberal himself like he's absolutely correct these executives are not creating the value they're doing all they're doing is directing others to massage the numbers or trying to uh, suppress wages as best as they possibly can in order to generate higher returns or increase shareholder profit. That's all they care about. That's all they will ever care about. Whereas someone like Ron Perlman, regardless of how much money he has in his bank, is a worker in that regard. He is the one who's generating the value. Same as uh, the NBA players unions when you talk about, uh, you know, these high paid athletes like they're the ones that are generating all the value for those corporations so make no mistake whenever you see someone who is a high-paid wage laborer and you go oh what the fuck's he complaining about there is another person that's making billions of dollars yeah. off of their uh labor you know myself included when you look to my situation you're like oh well Hassan, you make a lot of fucking money it's like you shouldn't be advocating for better conditions for uh, Twitch streamers, it's like, okay, yeah, all the money I'm making, Amazon is still making money off of the money that I'm making without actually doing anything, without just, just simply because they own all, uh, simply because they own this platform, simply because they own the servers. I mean, and to be clear, like, again, when you, when you talk to these workers in these unions, they're glad that the most famous people are on their side, right? I mean, it's a real achievement of the Hollywood unions that they have taken people who could totally hate fellow workers, who anyone who is paid less than them, who isn't famous, and turned them into very proud union members, right? It is a real accomplishment, and it's something that the studios hate, right? It's why they don't want this. They want to break the guilds. Um, and so when you have someone like Ron Perlman saying this, I mean, it's true that he has produced so much more value than he has paid, and, you know, the first the first few days of the writer's strike, I, I get quoted. I did an interview with this this TV writer, Rajat Suresh, who, you know, gave me a sarcastic quote about like, oh, well, you know, it makes sense that these guys get paid so much, you know, the CEOs. Because uh, me, I'm a Zaslav head, you know, and my buddy, he loves Sarandos. I can't wait to see the new Zaslav show. And he was like, no one has ever said that in their lives, right? These guys. No, I have. <laughs> No, I have. I'm I'm a moderator on the R slash neoliberal subreddit, and actually, you're wrong. I do love the I do love the the numbers crunching that Zaslav did. Is he? I I'm a big Iger fan. Um, when he lost the contract in India for the streaming rights for the cricket uh, uh finals, like that was actually a really good move in the long term. Like, because that's ultimately what they're doing. Yes, they're yes. they're they're directing others to move shit around. They're not making any product. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would just say, you know. Yes, these are, but these people are paid a lot that, you know, the sort of high end, certainly not the vast majority of the membership, whether WGA or SAG, right? These are working class people who take second and third jobs to get by. And they are members of the same union as the rich people. And the rich people are, in fact, fighting for them. Like the biggest wins and the biggest increases, should their proposals be accepted, would not be for the Tom Cruises of the world. It would actually mean the difference between a house and not a house or a car payment that actually can be made. And or not. healthcare. Yeah, or healthcare. 86% of SAG-AFTRA union members, the rank and file, do not qualify for healthcare because they need to make at 
least 26 grand a yes. year in order yeah. to qualify for healthcare. And the reason why they can't make 26 grand a year is not because like, oh man, there's not enough projects out there. It's that there are projects out there, but it doesn't matter because those projects aren't paying them enough. Yeah. And that is a gigantic deal. That's precisely the reason why Matt Damon had that quote where he was like, this is a matter of life or death for a lot of these people. It's not just people like Matt Damon, you know, multimillionaires. As a matter of fact, the overwhelming majority is not like Matt Damon. They're just trying to get fucking healthcare for working in this sector. Yeah. And I'll just, I just, I'll wrap up because I got to go write an article um, and eat some lunch. But I'll just say that almost the, the, I would say about half the actors I spoke to today also had other jobs, not in the industry. Right. And so they almost like when you ask them, like, what's your relation to other types of workers? Or like, how do you see yourself as part of a movement? They'd be like, well, I'm a waiter or I'm a photographer. Like, these are people who are just like anybody else. And they actually, we want them to be able to make a living at the job they love. But they they already know that this dream job isn't going to make them a living. And so they work a regular survival job on in addition to it. Yeah. And so I think that is kind of the key to keep in mind. And that there's a strategy here that like the Hollywood unions are not new to this about having select celebrity members and having the vast majority of working class members. Um, and I think they use, you know, Adam Conover, I think does this really well where he has a fairly big following. And so he is being, you know, he sits in a leadership position to make sure that the membership and the public actually can see what's going on in the union. I think that's a very smart strategy. Um, and you'd rather have those people in the union than on the other side. So okay, I yeah. want to show you one last thing that I saw that was like really gross. Does, does anyone in the chat have that CNN video that we watched a couple different quick CNN uh, sound bites where they were like uh, talking about how you know janitors and all these other um, periphery industries like they are ha- they're suffering as a consequence of the selfish workers striking. This was some gross coverage. Typical drive a wedge between working class people as though they are not in identical conditions as it pertains to the relations of the means of production as it pertains to their bosses not giving a shit about them like you think putting forward an undocumented migrant or uh, whatever like that works in a sanitation position in a production you think that person is getting a good deal from their bosses the very same fucking bosses of course not well the ongoing strike by the writers guild of america is oh, yeah, not she is only Australian. affecting movies and television shows it's also having a significant impact on many behind the scenes employees and businesses that are essential to these productions cnn's natasha chen explains from los angeles Jolanda Sendejas Garcia, a janitor was laid off from paramount studios shortly after the writer's strike began Fewer productions means less to clean. Nearly two months later, she's collecting plastic bottles for cash. She's buying cheaper groceries and says she'll soon lose. Yeah, they're like, look at these selfish actors. This should be shame on the studios for doing this to their own employees. It's like these are this is life and death stakes for that woman. And it is not the workers who wanted this strike. Yeah, it's like they always conveniently forget that labor action only happens when there are talks leading up to it for months on end negotiations back and forth conversations and labor action that also hurts the very same rank and file members of a union that choose to take this necessary but important necessary but also relatively harmful to themselves step are doing it because the bosses refuse to meet their fucking reasonable ass demand. So it's ridiculous. Ridiculous to try to pin the blame here on one side and one side only when I have said time and time again that if there is a singular individual who could end these strikes, 
It's never the labor union leaders that are democratically voted on. They literally have to negotiate as best as they can in order to maintain their position within the union. And also those negotiations, the contract that they bring back to their unions need to be voted in. They need to be ratified through the rank and file democratically voting on it to end the strike. Zaslav, on the other hand, or Sarandos could single-handedly stop the strikes by saying, yes, we are going to meet your reasonable demands. We're going to give you a better share of the profits that you are generating for us. Yeah, I mean, and just in, in closing, I'll say that you look at that video and it's like, the problem is that there are people who have the power to kick this person out of her home or make sure she can't eat, to make writers lose their houses, their apartments, their cars. I mean, this is the problem. And the answer is that those masses of people actually come together and say, you know what, we're done. No more. We won't take it anymore. And when they do that, that actually chips away at that boss's power for every other worker under the employment, yeah. their employment, right? So yes, everyone is going through a very hard time right now. And the poorest workers are obviously the most affected. So this, a janitor at Paramount is going to have this affect her immediately in a way that say like a middle-class actor isn't, but the, those actors losing does not help her. And also, they are not the ones who wanted to strike. I mean, they even agreed to an extension because they were so certain that they could find a way through, right? Because they're being reasonable. And so I think when I hear this, it's the, the blame for the immense amount of suffering that is currently happening, especially in Los Angeles, but certainly now even more so with the actors striking, that only should be adding to the sort of the cost on the hands of the owners of these studios that it's, it's really just more and more shame on them. I would say. Yeah. And with that, I'm going to go get lunch and then write an article. So thank you, chat. Thank Thank you so much for coming on Alex. It's Alex press. Um, everybody. You'll, you'll see some of her writing where do do you, have you revealed that? Um, no, I won't say the mainstream place, but Jacobin will have an article up that I'm writing today. Um, sometime maybe tomorrow or the next day. And I'm on Twitter. I saw people posting the link. Um, so enjoy the rest of your streaming. All right. We'll do. Thank you, Alex.